재미와 지식의 오디오 라이프 팝빵. What time is it? What time is it? What time is it? Do you know what time it is? 그리빵 아빠의 안타까운 웃음이 Well, if you recall, uh, about a week or so ago, we were talking about how a potential election victory uh, by Donald Trump in the U.S. presidential elections would have some uh, uh, pretty far-reaching consequences. And uh, even in the global economic context, uh, we were talking about trade deals and, and, and all of these things that could happen. Well, um, it is now post-November 8th. And the voters in the United States have spoken. Well, at least the electoral college system voters have spoken. And Donald Trump will be the 45th uh, president of the United States. So let's let's now actually take a really more specific look as to how the U.S. economy is going to perhaps shift gears uh, in this uh, uh, very, very new reality we have, and that is, of course, going to have some repercussions for uh, countries like Korea as well. Uh, to g- give us that analysis, our good friend from Catholic University of Korea Economics, Professor Yang j u n s e o k Professor Yang, uh, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Happy to be here. We talked about this, right? We talked yeah. about trade deals and, oh, if Trump won and South Korea would be doing this and that. And we have to both admit, right, that was largely an academic discussion we were having back yeah, then. I think uh, nobody uh, believed that the, uh, Trump would win. Uh, so, so we were talking about this uh, sort of science fiction. Now right, right. Like hypotheticals fact. and kind of yeah. game theory and, and, and all of that going on. Now that it's upon us, and, and let's just talk about the aftermath a bit. Uh, the, the, the Dow futures, I remember watching CNN, and as the results kept coming in, and they looked at um, Dow futures and, and uh, markets in Asia, which were like just plummeting uh, here. Of course, the Kospi and, and Kosdaq also took a huge hit. Those markets have recovered, though. Um, and um, you, you, you often see that there is that boomerang effect with it. Uh, And to the extent that this is important to people, I suppose, not to, I guess, the average Joe on the street, but the market and the investor reaction and shifts on this, how do you, what do you make of it? Okay, well, I have to admit, I did expect the uh, chaos to continue for at least three or four days, because that's what happened during Brexit. Right, right. Uh, but uh, it got, uh, it stabilized very, very quickly. And I think everybody's sort of trying to scramble to uh, explain that. My own feeling is that, first of all, Trump has been very, very settled and he's been very conciliatory. So that has uh, calmed the people somewhat. And you also have to uh, remember that it wasn't just Trump who won, but the Republicans also won both houses of Congress. And uh, Republicans have always had a very uh, pro-business, pro-finance type of a platform. Uh, So I think that has a part to do with it. I think also there's a learning effect from Brexit. Uh, If Things are uh, chaotic, but if things are not expected to uh, go bad quickly, then things tend to stabilize. And they learn that lesson, so it stabilizes very quickly. But I think most of all, I think what's most important is that uh, the uh, market watchers are selectively looking at Trump's promises. 
And uh, they're uh, thinking that the most outrageous promises, like they're going to start a trade war by having 45% tariffs on China, they think Trump will not manage to do it. Whereas uh, they think that, uh, well, Trump was somewhat ambiguous about this, but he said that he would cut taxes and also uh, have a, a large infrastructure investment, a large uh, expansionary fiscal policy. In, uh, and I think they're looking at that to have a really expansionary effect on the uh, uh, U.S. economy because, well, if you look at the uh, uh, future returns, the uh, derivative returns, they seem to be thinking that there's going to be a very large uh, hit in, uh, large increase in inflation as well as in interest rates. So, uh, so they're, I think, weighing the uh, – uh, remember, Trump has never been really clear on exactly what he's going to do except trade, immigration, uh, and tax cuts. And so uh, all the rest of it, I think they're interpreting it in the best light as possible. Okay. So let's just maybe take a look at what you're saying about the, uh, the selective sort of, uh, I guess, uh, focus that these investors are having. To what extent, then, do you think that's accurate? Because, okay, th- that example that you said about massive tax cuts, but at the same time, this very, very aggressive upramp of infrastructure projects and building, sort of like, I suppose, um, FDR, New Deal, maybe not to that extent, but something to build some, rebuild some of the roads and bridges and all that. To what extent are these investors saying that that's I, – I know markets like those tax cuts, but they've also said that this is going to be a fiscal disaster. And it, people forget that the Obama administration, Barack Obama, has been wanting to have these infrastructure products in place. But the purse strings are still controlled by the House, which is controlled by the Republicans. How would they be able to do a 180-degree turn and say, oh, well, Trump's our leader now, so let's go ahead and gung, go gung-ho with these infrastructure products? Well, you just said it. I think. Uh, well, I'm just assuming they're smarter guys than we are. So, why, how are they selectively, uh, you know, rationally making these decisions based on that? Well, I think uh, they're going. To, basically, I think the feeling in Washington, feeling in the U.S., is that Trump won this. It wasn't the Republicans who won it. It was Trump, uh, because they were running well behind the polls. All the uh, establishment Republicans in the last few weeks were running against Trump because uh, he made those comments about the uh, women and he made all these outrageous comments. So, in a sense, it was a three-way election. You had uh, pro, you had Trump, you had Republicans who were most, in most cases, sort of anti-Trump, and you had the Democrats, and I think the uh, because Trump won, and because the uh, establishment Republicans weren't really gaining any headways by themselves, I think the popular opinion seems to be that it was Trump who led the uh, Republican takeover of the executive and the uh, legislative branches. So I think they're going to give Trump a lot of leeway on what he wants to do. And right now, what he apparently wants to do is to cut taxes as well as have a large uh, infrastructure investment that's going to have a very large increase in the uh, in deficit. But I'm not sure if the establishment Republicans are strong enough to stop it uh, because, well, Trump won it for them. There has been a narrative about how Barack Obama has been a fiscal disaster. And, you know, the kind of argument we will, he inherited this uh, post-Bush economy, the 2008 financial crisis and, and the debt issues and all that keep piling on. 
And I know this is, you know, it's silly to just be logical about that. But doesn't this fly in the face of that? I mean, they're really just going full head of steam into that opposite direction of fiscal irresponsibility. Well, I think Paul Ryan is at least going to make a symbolic attempt to try to control the deficit somewhat. But as I mentioned before, uh, Trump, I think right now, if Trump wants this infrastructure investment badly, then I think the uh, Republican Congress doesn't really have the... Uh, uh, power enough strength yeah. to stop him, but Dick, uh, Trump can use the same argument that the Obama Democrats have. That's actually the biggest irony of this. Uh, a lot of the Obamas. Uh, Obama's uh, Democrats have pointed out that the interest on these uh, government debt was negligible because the uh, Fed has driven the uh, interest rate down so low. So. Uh, at least for the foreseeable future, even if the government financed all these infrastructure investment through debt, their interest burden will not go up by all that much. So it's basically zero interest loans to right. do so is what your point right. is. Right. So, uh, so they're uh, going to usurp that argument and say, well, you know, we have the purse strings now, and so it's yeah, okay think, that we're I think, doing I it. I think actually Paul okay. Ryan may have a lot of difficulty working against that yeah, argument. Yeah, and that's interesting because we've had liberal uh, members of Congress like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and members of the House indicate, well, infrastructure is actually one thing that we can work with you. So even if the caucus doesn't have the votes, uh, they may be able to push that through, at least in a bipartisan manner. Tax cuts obviously going to be another, I guess, opposite side of the deal challenge uh, with the gov- uh, the Democrats of course expected to be severely opposed to any major major tax cuts in revenue yeah problem is i don't think they have the uh, budget to uh, they don't have enough votes to stop it uh they did gain a couple of seats in the uh uh senate uh but still uh well if the democrats really wanted to make a filibuster but uh my recollection is that tax bill is one thing that they agree that they would not filibuster over and the uh republicans still have the majority so they could just pass it on a simple majority uh, so right now, uh, the Democrats, if you just look at the votes in Congress, they don't really have power to do all that much. Mm. Uh, so, um, so the uh, Democrats are act- the only thing that Democrats can do is to just complain a lot right now. Okay. Uh, one thing that they have indicated from the very beginning is right now they will fiercely fight to the death any attempts to try and uh, repeal or at least degrade the efficacy of the Affordable Care Act, uh, otherwise known as Obamacare. 20 million uh, people have been added to the rolls uh, since Obamacare has been implemented, meaning that the risk is that those 20 million people who now depend on insurance that they did not have uh, are, uh, are at risk of losing that. How does he navigate that uh, in a way that is his campaign promise, but at the same time, the political realities is if you strip all these guys of health care, it's not going to make for a happy electorate at least with that demographic very ambiguously uh they just uh obama and trump just had a meeting uh yesterday and apparently when trump got out uh, he said that there's some elements of obamacare that he may keep pre-existing conditions uh, uh we, nobody's quite sure exactly what okay uh now uh obviously you have a lot of gung-ho republican uh congressman who wants to get rid of it on the other hand uh in some ways the people who are going to get hit the most by this is as you mentioned the very people who have voted for trump and the strange thing is they're also for a lot of them uh they're even though arguably they're getting the uh benefit of this they also hate obamacare because they feel that they're forced to buy insurance that they don't want so uh 
if they uh, it was mentioned before the election, but if they get rid of Obamacare completely, then the uh, these uh, pro-Trump uh, people may get hurt directly because they don't have Medicare. Uh, sorry, Obamacare. Uh, but if they don't get rid of Obamacare, then they're going to get angry because they wanted to get rid yeah. of Obamacare and they did not. So, uh, as I said... Catch-22. So, right. So, Trump and the Republican Party will have to do this very ambiguously. Okay, another uh, policy that is something that's going to affect the economy uh, quite severely is uh, he was voted on a populist it, w- it was a certainly far right populist movement but this populist movement and this idea that the establishment including the republicans were kind of all out of touch elites especially controlled by big moneyed interests including wall street now he is now on the team that seems to be indicating that they would like to repeal dodd frank which is of course the uh, the, the bill that was put in place to try to prevent any other future 2008 financial crises from occurring again doesn't that also kind of fly in the face of these guys who said we voted you to shake things up but now you're going to do something that's going to actually give these wall street bankers even more power well in this case it's somewhat easier for trump than obamacare because he always uh, on this issue he spoke out of the both sides yeah. Uh, so uh, on one hand, he said that the uh, economy doesn't need uh, that many regulations. Business should be freer. Uh, so that would uh, imply that he's not in favor of Dodd-Frank. But on the other hand, he's also said that these uh, Washington fat cats, uh, sorry, the uh, Wall Street fat cats were making too much money. Uh, they were taking money out of the pockets of the working class American people. So in some sense, then that would mean more uh, regulations yeah. for the Wall Street people. So. I- uh, he actually spoke in favor of both sides of the picture, so that makes it paradoxically somewhat more easier for him to maneuver. That just It's just these logical infallacies just kind of I, make my mind just spin around like like a top because yeah. he, Clinton was severely damaged politically with right. those so-called speeches to Goldman Sachs and being too cozy to Wall Street. But we have a situation here now. If you repeal Dodd-Frank, you're going to put in Steve Bannon, this white supremacist former executive Golden Sachs and James Diamond supposedly is now in the running the, the chairman of Golden Sachs to be the next treasury secretary. I don't know what the voters were thinking when they're saying that he's going to drain the swamp. Well, last uh, time I heard Diamond was actually said he wasn't interested. Uh, but rad, uh, I would rather have Diamond than uh, Bannon, frankly. That's, uh, that's fine, but I'm just saying yeah. that's not what the voters voted for, right? right? Yeah, uh, but He's going, like I said, because he spoke on the both sides of the issue. Nobody's quite sure what he's for, uh, so that actually makes him e- uh, that makes it easier for him to maneuver. Right. Uh, because, well, this, uh, compared to say Obamacare, he was fairly straightforward against it. Mm-hmm. So, if he decides to keep a lot of Obamacare elements around, then he will be going against campaign promises. But here, because he spoke out of both sides of the issue, uh, he can say that he took the uh, sort of the best of the. Uh, uh, elements uh, so he could get away with what, doing whatever he wants to do uh, so I think the uh, next uh, the kind of selection that he makes in the transition team as well as the uh, what kind of policies he issues for the first 100 days are going to be absolutely crucial because well this issue you had Trump talking in a lot of ways talking about both sides of the issues on his policy so no one's really quite sure what he's going to do yeah. that's why I said before that uh, a lot of people I think are taking the uh, most convenient interpretation of what he said 
and nothing's going to become okay. crystal clear until he starts making some decisions. So again, then this is just it just becomes an academic discussion where we're just really kind of throwing darts uh, blindfolded because we don't know what's going on. Because another question, uh, undocumented immigrants. Let's say there's 20 million undocumented immigrants. He said, I'm not going to send them all out at once, which again is, is yeah. sort of different from what his voters wanted. But he says two to three million of these guys who have criminal records, I'm going to ship them out right away. If in the millions people are indeed shipped, wouldn't that have an effect on the economy? A negative well, effect on the economy? A lot of a lot of businesses depend crucially on low cost businesses. Right. Um, low, low cost workers. Low co- uh, a lot of these people are illegal immigrants. Uh, so when uh, so when you get rid of uh, two or three million people from there, you're probably going to have a rise in uh, wages or a rise in cost of some of the uh, uh, goods that people. Uh, the uh, low-income people especially need. So that's going to be another problem right there. And another problem is whether the U.S. right now is capable of screening two or three million people who uh, have criminal records and can get them uh, out of the country uh, because you know, there's all kind of complicated yeah. uh, ways that they, uh, the uh, people who are accused can try to remain in the country. And that's uh, at the worst-case scenario, it's going to take months or years for them to work through the courts. Enforcement of deportation protocols have actually been up quite historically under the last few years of the Obama administration, so he would really be carrying on or maybe even just uh, just be a bit more aggressive with that. So, throwing more darts in the air here then, uh, Professor Yang, what about the idea of companies that are shipping jobs overseas, punishing companies or uh, barring them or severely kind of taxating or tariffing companies like Apple, who who produce all of their very popular products in China and making them bring those factory jobs back to uh, the U.S. How's that going to work out? Okay, well, he's always said that he's going to pass tariffs on the companies who uh, locate their manufacturing bases abroad. We're not quite sure how he's going to do that. Uh, now, the most obvious way of trying to do that is to try uh, actually not with manufacturing bases, but with taxes on how they locate their profits. Uh, but then the problem is it's the Republicans who are really sort of against yeah, happen against right. that, uh, whereas Democrats wanted to have. Uh, have additional taxes on uh, cap uh, profit, which are uh, located abroad. And if he, but even if he was successful, that would mean consumers in the U.S. and all over the world would be looking at basically two thousand, three thousand dollar iPhones now, right? Well, I'm not sure if it'll go that high, but uh, yeah, basically. Okay, um, monetary policy. Uh, we know that he's been critical of Yellen for some of her Janet Yellen's decisions uh, with rates uh, during the campaign season. Uh, to the extent that he's fully kind of in tune with what exactly monetary policy entails, what do you think it means for the Fed and Janet Yellen? Okay, again, he's been sort of talking about both sides of the uh, issue here. Uh, he's he hasn't been. Uh, happy about rates remaining this low for this long, but then he's also not been very happy about not taking a more active policy to uh, try to reinvig- uh, facilitate the uh, recovery. So again, he's sort of taking both sides of the picture. Uh, he's been implying that uh, he doesn't like Yellen very much, but uh, I think he uh, hit, well, not him directly, but people in his po- uh, team have said that they want Yellen around for the foreseeable future. Uh, so maybe even until next year when he gets his team into pl- actually into place, uh, Yellen will probably be sticking around. Now, uh, as far as the monetary policy is concerned, I think uh, Trump uh, – well, the Fed I think is tr- going to try to look at only the uh, the market, what's going on right now. Uh, they, they're not trying – 
they're not going to try to get involved with themselves sort of politically. Uh, so uh, because the uh, market hasn't been as unstable as a lot of people who were thought was going to be, yeah. they're probably going to raise the rates in December. Now, uh, Trump's reaction to that will be interesting. Uh, whether he'll be uh, aghast because the uh, Fed is uh, raising the rates uh, while the economy is still mm. in slump or whether he'll be happy because the uh, Fed is now finishing uh, or not debasing the dollar as much. So his reaction will tell us much. Well, uh, some great analysis as always, Professor Young. But uh, I think as you've indicated, uh, we really have no better idea today <laughs> than uh, what we knew uh, a week ago with this. As you say, we're going to have to see how this transition takes place. As always, thank you very much and uh, hope to see you again soon. Thank you.